In what is thought to be his first letter, Paul writes to the Church of Galatia addressing the issue of false teaching, primarily this argument that you can somehow obtain victory through sole human effort. This is an important lesson for us modern-day hustlers, the ones who strive and grind with the mindset that all we need to do is, well, more, work harder, faster, and we will get better. The problem is that within this mindset lies a lot of truth, sowing and reaping. You get out what you put in. Hard work does indeed pay off. The problem is we aren't just looking for human results. We want supernatural quantum leaps into our calling and our purpose. We want ultimately a transformed life. And that, friend, will never be accomplished by being, quote unquote, good enough. That is God work. That's what the Holy Spirit does. And every time we fall into the trap of thinking that we can do it on our own, whatever it may be, we set ourselves up to not only spin our wills in exhaustion, but fall prey to pride. And you know what happens then. That's right, a fall. But that doesn't have to be us. And as we start tonight's study of Galatians, we're going to explore the authenticity of a real relationship with Jesus and the confidence that comes from this closeness, which ultimately equips us to reject false teaching and embrace truth. If you're ready to go to the next level, it begins with a sure foundation. So what's your relationship status? You don't want to miss this one. Hey friend, I am so excited to get started with you tonight in the book of Galatians. I hope you already came prepared with your Bibles, your notebooks, and something to write with. Note takers are move makers. You retain a much higher percentage of the information you receive when you write things down. It's just a fact. But this is the kicker. Studies have shown that those who write things down and those who just listen retain roughly the same percentage of information. The difference maker is reviewing and reflecting upon the notes you've taken. If there are no notes, though, there is obviously a lack of an opportunity to reflect, which creates a diminished opportunity for retention, which means what? A lack of transformation. As brilliant as you are, you will not retain everything that you hear today. And not everything you hear will be relevant at the time that you hear it. You want to maintain a system of resources that you can refer to when you need them to help you both understand God's word and to apply it appropriately and powerfully to your life. Don't cheat yourself. Take notes. Podcasts are great. Listening to people talk about interesting things is also great. Conversation is cool, but we aren't here to merely be entertained, are we? No, ma'am. No, sir. We are here for growth and to see our lives transformed. Acceleration does not happen by accident. You've got to focus. Let's give the Holy Spirit a concentrated 30 minutes. Remove any distractions that you can. If you're a parent, I wish you the best. Reflect and apply on what the Holy Spirit reveals, and I promise you, you'll begin to see the changes in your life that you're hungry for. Okay, I'm off my soapbox now. Are you ready? If you're familiar with the setup of the New Testament, you may have assumed that when we began our study that we would start with Romans. However, the book or letter of Galatians is actually believed to be the first one to be written by Paul. 
So let's reacquaint ourselves with the man, Paul, that we have come to know, a former zealot and persecutor of Christians, now a mighty preacher and apostle, a proclaimer of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is his first known written contribution to the church. So what was he led to say? What was so important? I think the easiest thing to do is to begin in the beginning. So we'll start at Galatians 1.1 and we'll jump around a little bit, but we're probably going to cover about the first 24 verses or so. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation, but you read from whatever version or translation you can understand and enjoy. So Galatians 1.1 begins as such. This letter is from Paul, an apostle. I was not appointed by any group of people or any human authority, but by Jesus Christ himself and by God the Father who raised Jesus from the dead. Let's stop here. This verse identifies Paul as both the author of this letter and as an apostle. The word apostle in the Greek means person sent. Person sent. But Paul makes a very important distinction here. He wants it to be clear that he was not sent or appointed by any group of people or any human authority, but by Jesus Christ himself and God the Father. Paul goes on in verses 11 through 24 to sort of defend his apostleship. You have to remember that this is Paul. This is the one who fiercely persecuted the church. He now is writing to that same church as an apostle, one with divine authority to both address issues and correct them. That is a huge power shift, a personality flip. So it's understandable why the recipients of this letter might be asking themselves, who does he think he is? We know that Paul must have been getting some pushback from the church because our friend Paul is not passive with the petty. He makes it known. You didn't give me this authority. The other apostles didn't give me this authority. The church didn't give me this authority. Jesus gave me this authority. But you know what Paul's declaration is or why it's so powerful? Because it's not an expression of arrogance. Paul was very strong-willed and worded. But what this declaration is, is an expression of awareness. It is not arrogance to acknowledge that you have been set apart and that you have received a holy assignment. That's the definition of purpose. With that being said, understand that the same energy that you declare your assignment with, your obedience needs to be just as loud. Do you think Paul could start off his letter the way he did if his actions did not support such an outrageous claim? Paul was not ignorant to the fact that his appointment came with a responsibility that was just as weighty. No man gave Paul his assignment, so Paul knew ultimately he wasn't accountable to any human. He answered to God, and he knew that was serious. In verses 6 through 10, Paul begins speaking to the Galatians about rejecting any other gospel than the one that was preached to them concerning Jesus Christ and salvation. This is so critical, especially today in the time of New Age Christianity, talk of crystals and ancestors, etc. We have to address false teaching within the body. But I want to put that off for just a second so we can finish addressing Paul and the confidence he had in his calling. Is that okay? Thank you. 
So because Paul is talking to them about the true gospel, he begins to emphasize in verse 11 that what he has preached to them wasn't made up of human words. It wasn't something he drafted, reviewed, practiced. It wasn't something that someone told him. It's not even something he was taught. Paul says he received this gospel directly as a revelation from Jesus Christ. Remember, Paul was educated. He was well-schooled. He was churched, or in his case, synagogued. He was elite, considered wise beyond his contemporaries. He knew all of the scriptures, and yet he still missed the Messiah. Listen to me. Believing that God is real is not enough. Going to church is not enough. Reading your Bible is not enough. Serving your local body is not enough. Zeal and excitement for God and the things that he's doing is not enough. Apart from Jesus revealing himself to you and the Holy Spirit residing in you, you cannot truly know God. Paul had all of the head knowledge. It was the same knowledge, remember, that led him to imprison, torture, and kill those that he would later be called to serve. Do you understand what I'm saying? Head knowledge is not enough. God's wisdom, the kind that changes you, comes as a direct revelation from the Holy Spirit. This is why we cannot depend on human effort or the accumulation of information as a substitute for application and transformation. This is the cause why so many who call themselves Christians behave so differently than the one whose name they identify with. It's because they've checked a box. They have assumed because they hold positions in a church or study their Bible or participate in any other of the disciplines that they have come to know Christ and are in relationship with him. And that, friend, is a very dangerous place to be. We saw what it can do in just the first couple of weeks of this study with Stephen and with Saul. We saw what it looks like now in our culture within politics, the media, and God forbid, even our homes. We are living in a time where we can't play around with whether we truly belong to God or not. We need to make our election sure. On that day, when we see him face to face, and each of us will, we want to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant, and not depart from me. I never knew you. Sounds harsh, right? I know. But I promise I'm not making it up. I'll prove it to you when we come back. Just hold tight. Hey friend, don't forget, if you find value, we would love if you would consider supporting Rooted the Podcast. You can do that in several ways. First, consider a financial monthly donation. There as little as 99 cents a month. Any financial contribution helps us to consistently bring you relevant, relatable, practical content every single week. Second, please share the podcast on any of your social media platforms. Third, follow me on Instagram at Shania, that's S-H-I-N-I-A underscore Lambert, L-A-M-B-E-R-T. In the coming year, I have so many fun things planned for Rooted. Rooted is going to expand to video. We're going to have a YouTube channel. We're going to provide bonus content for Patreon members. And we may even hop on TikTok. We'll see. I love you, friends.
Welcome back. So we've been starting in the book of Galatians tonight, and we really honed in in verse one, where Paul kind of announces the cause or source of his authority, that in fact, it does not come from man. He did not become an apostle because someone told him he was. It was because Jesus Christ himself appointed him and sent him and gave him that authority. We talked about the reason why it is important to make this kind of distinction is because when we acknowledge our purpose, we ought to also be acknowledging the responsibility that comes along with being called by God, with being set apart. And that really is rooted in truly knowing uh, Jesus and having a relationship with him. We talked about some of the things that as humans, we can tend to do that we think supplants or substitutes a relationship with Christ. And that generally is centered around the disciplines. It is in believing that God is real, believing that he exists, going to church, serving your body, or even being excited about the things God is doing. All of those things are great and are normally an expression of having a relationship with him, of truly knowing him, but they are not a substitute for knowing him. In fact, you have to have a relationship. And that comes as a free gift of salvation. And we won't get super deep into that tonight, but just understand that nothing replaces, nothing substitutes actually being in relationship with Jesus. And we talked about, we don't want to see him face to face. And to be clear, each of us will stand before God. We do not want to see Jesus face to face and hear instead of, well done, my good and faithful servant, here instead of that, depart from me, I never knew you, right? Talk about a reason to fall out and faint. So I wanted to prove to you that I wasn't just being dramatic, that in fact, the Jesus that is preached, the one that is loving, that is extending his heart to you even now, will at some point reject those who did not truly receive him. It's not a lack of love that does that. It is a standard. It is righteousness. It is holiness. So turn with me to Matthew chapter seven. Now, Jesus in this portion of scripture is sort of wrapping up the Sermon on the Mount, right? You know, the blessed is he who and blessed is she who. And he finishes by explaining that not everyone who calls him Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven. The ones who will in fact enter this kingdom, his kingdom, will be those who do the will of his father in heaven. Specifically in verses 22 and 23, Jesus says, on judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. When Jesus says he never knew them, he's not talking about intellectually. He is God. He knows all. He was a part of creating all. He's saying, I never knew you in relationship. This is a clear picture that it is possible to be doing all of the spiritual things, right? Prophesying, casting out demons, performing quote unquote miracles, doing all of the spiritual things and still not be in relationship with God, still be outside of his will. This is proof that it is possible to think that you are right and you are actually dead wrong. It is possible to call Jesus whatever you like, Lord, Savior, God, and have never been in an actual relationship with him. A familiarity with Jesus is not a relationship. 
A scholarly understanding of Jesus is not a relationship. An acquaintance is not a relationship. An association through family members, through a church, through groups and organizations, that is not a relationship. Having heard about him, studied him, respected him, admiring him, or even choosing not to be offended by him is not the same thing as knowing him. That's not relationship. And so that's why when Paul says that he wasn't appointed by man, he is saying that he is in relationship with Jesus. He both knows and is known by God. And that, my friend, makes all the difference. And so going back to Paul's first point in this letter regarding false teaching, which it looks like we may not get to until next time, but that's okay. I trust the Holy Spirit has us right where he wants us. It is all about knowing Jesus first. We cannot know his word if we do not know the word, and that is the person of Jesus. The most beautiful thing is not only is this relationship available to you, it's something that we don't have to earn. You, in fact, can't earn it. It's a free gift from Christ. Isn't that the most confusing thing of all? All the time and energy and effort doing stuff to somehow show or prove that we have a relationship, when in reality, if there was a relationship, that need to prove it wouldn't exist. I never feel a need to prove to anyone that Aiden is my son. Because he is my son, because there is a relationship, he gets access to me in ways that no one else can. I provide for him in ways that I don't provide for anyone else. His needs, everything that concerns him, I'm concerned about. It's real, it's authentic, and it's rooted in love. That, in a very simplistic way, is how God desires relationship with us. No pretense no show, no expectations to perform or to be perfect, just real genuine connection. Does that mean discipline, commitment, submission, and obedience? Yes. (laughs) What good parent-child relationship doesn't include those things? I want real relationship for you. I want that for myself. I want to have the same confidence of closeness that Paul had, the kind that made him unafraid to confront issues within the church, that made him not hesitate to pursue his calling, the kind that his past and regret and shame could not diminish. In fact, it became the perfect place for God's glory to be put on display. I want the kind of closeness that can't be challenged, the kind that makes the enemy tremble. Yes, friend. That's it. I want that for me and I want that for you. I love you. I'm Shania and this is Rooted.